Thank you, praise and worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord this morning and singing that beautiful, beautiful song. Talking about the table. Talking about coming to the table and everyone being invited to the table. And what's interesting about the invitation of the Father is that He did not just invite all the perfect people to the table. Which is good news for me. I'm glad it's not come to the table, all you who are perfect in every way. But he said the, the thief and the robber and he said the despondent, the hurting. He said all come to the table. There's room for you at the table. This morning we're beginning our new series called Living Large. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28 and Verses 18 through 20, John 10, 10, and Ephesians 2, 14. And, and I encourage you, use your uh, bulletin. There's a, a space in there for you to take notes. Or if you want to do it on your phone or a tablet, however you want to get the information, take pictures of the screen uh, screen uh, this morning. Um, whatever you need to do, do please do it. To, just to grab that information, I believe it will help you in your life. And so, uh, the, the, the God is calling us. And, I, and this is the purpose of this series. God's calling us to expand our lives, to expand who we are and expand who we are according to what he's called us to. The big idea today is simply this. Everything God creates is designed and expected to expand. Everything he creates. It's meant to expand and it is expected to expand. In fact, God created the universe and from that day until this, it's still expanding in nature. The last science that I could find says it's expanding at 73.2 kilometers per second per megaparsec. Clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all of us know that a megaparsec is, of course, 3.26 million light years. You know what I appreciate about them putting, I appreciate the 0.2 kilometer section there. Because, you know, when you're dealing with something that's 23.26 million light years and it's 73, we have to have the 0.2 kilometers to understand exactly what we're talking about. Here, let me clear it up for everybody. It's really, really, really fast. It's expanding quickly. And then God created this thing called the church. And the church is also expanding. Jesus' death was the price that He paid for the church. His, His burial was the liberation of His church. His resurrection empowered the church and His, His Word is the direction for the church. So everything about Christ is really centered upon His church. And this is what he said in directional verbiage to the church. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Teaching them to observe, teach the new disciples to obey the commandments that I've given you. 
And I will not leave you, but I'll be with you always. So he says to his disciples, they're they're the church at the time. He says, hey, glad you're here. Glad it's us. Now we're done. Nope. He says, your disciples, now go make other disciples. When you make these disciples, baptize them. That's why we're having Baptism Sunday. Because Jesus said, whenever we're making disciples of all the nations, one of the parts of doing that is to baptize people. And so we're making baptism available to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ that has not yet been baptized. If you haven't, I encourage you to do it. Why? Because we're obeying the commandment of Jesus. Baptize them. And then he says, I'm the final authority. Be my witnesses on earth, share what I've done for you, and expand my church. So the universe is expanding. The church is, is directed to expand. It's a, it's a self-expanding world, if you will. And then Jesus even championed the expansion of your life. This is what he said in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We have some friends who had their house broken into and the thief came. What was really interesting, surprising in fact, is that whenever they got home, they didn't find more stuff there than when they had left. The thief didn't show up and bring gifts and blessings to the house. He, he, he brought damage to the house. He broke their front door. And then when they got home, there was a bunch of stuff that was missing. Jesus said, I didn't show up to take things away from your life. I came, things, came to give, put things into your life. He said, I want you to live an abundant life. And that Greek word there that's uh, translated abundant, it gives the sense of being beyond. Super abundant in quantity. And superior in quality. I know some people who have a lot of quantity, but they still live in fear and doubt, and and, and they're not at peace in their life. And then I know some people who have very little that are also living with fear and doubt and no peace. But I know people in both of those situations that have little and have much that are living lives of peace and comfort and joy because they have found out that the abundance of God has a lot to do with what we have, but also how we have it. If we have a little, but it's good in our life then we can still live with joy and peace and happiness and contentment. Jesus said, I want you to have good things. It's not just about how much you have, it's about what you have and whether or not what you have has you. As Christians, our life is to be lived large, it's to be lived big. We live a life that's empowered by the Holy Spirit to do big things. And today, in fact, it's God's expectation that we live large. And I, I, have, I, have, I have three thoughts for us this morning. Because we need to live with an expansive mentality in our lives and in our church. A mentality that says we can do great things. We can expand. Thought number one is this. 
Living small happens by accident, but living large is achieved intentionally. At the end of life, no one will ever recognize that they've lived a large life and wonder why or how. But there are many people who get to the end of life and realize that they have lived very small and wonder why or how. Because smallness can happen by accident. Living large is always intentional. So let's study Christ's actions attached to his, in fact, his crucifixion and find out what he was talking. What's he talking about? Why did he get, why was he crucified in the first place? What was the, what was the point behind all of this? Let's look at Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 14. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He unified the Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He broke it down. He was on the cross to break down walls and bring unity to those who would call upon him. Jesus was dedicated to unifying his children to amplify his cause. If I can bring them together, big things can happen. There was nothing accidental about this. Jesus had lived his entire life getting ready to go to that cross. Everything he did was very intentional. Everything he did was was for the purpose of the cross and of bringing salvation to humanity. But Ephesians is telling us that it wasn't just about bringing salvation, it was bringing about unification between the Jews and the Gentiles as well. In your life, in mine, are we intentional? Are we willing to be intentional about fulfilling Christ's purpose in our lives? In our church... Are we allowing, are we okay with it being accidental as we move forward? Or are we willing to become intentional about what we're doing in our church, about reaching people for the kingdom of God? The natural choice of humanity is to, to build walls, to build partitions around ourselves. We, we protect ourselves. We, we build walls of culture. It's how we've been raised. It's the culture that we've been raised in. It's, it's who we are as individuals. And, and so, you know, if, if you're not within my culture, then I have a hard time reaching outside of that or connecting with you. We, we build walls of, of uh, language. This morning I had the privilege of teaching three or four, three young ladies how to say all y'all. Because I'm, I'm trying to help them with their language. We, we build walls around us of language. And if you don't speak my language, then, then I'm not interested in getting to know you. I'm not interested you know, in, in, in you engaging in my life. Sometimes it's, it's walls of relationship. We have a concept of it's us four and, and no more. And, and nobody else gets to come in there because you know, this is safe right here. It's protected right here. Sometimes it's ideologies. If, if you don't do it like me, then we can't be friends anymore. Or maybe it's even religion. If you don't believe it like me, exactly like me, we can't connect anymore. 
All of these things are walls to help protect us and, and control our environment. Christy grew up in New England, and in New England, a lot of the houses were built a long time ago. And it gets cold in the wintertime like it does here. And so what they would do is they would build homes with very small rooms. So you walk into this house, and you walk into a small foyer area. And then you might go left, right, I don't know. But, but as you're moving through the house, you realize that it's just made up of very small rooms. And the reason for it is because it was easy to climate control the small rooms during the cold winter months. So you build a small fire, you heat a small room, and everybody's comfortable. During the summertime, you open up your windows, or you even go outside on the porch, whatever you need to do, and and you can uh, you know maintain your temperatures that way. But in order to keep it warm in the winter, you built the small room. And so houses, some of the houses there, the older houses specifically, you walk in and there is no hallway, there is no extra space. You literally walk through one room to get to the next room. Often built in sort of a square pattern there, you just kind of walk around the circle that can all be closed off from one another. The idea was to be able to close that off and control everything. But in our, in our modern homes, we like the open floor plan. We, we like to be able to sit at the, uh, stand at the um, kitchen uh, stove and look over and watch TV in the living room. We, we, that's how our house is. It's all open. And, and we like it because you can be doing one thing over here and they're doing something over there. And, and these people are over here. And, and there's been evenings whenever, you know, Christy's over here in the kitchen and she's cooking something. And, and people, young people are sitting at the table doing homework. And, and I'm over here doing my thing in, in my chair over here by the fireplace because I'm the smart one. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and so, and everything's going, everybody's doing their own thing, but we're all in one room. And so we're able to interact with one another and we like it. And because modern conveniences make it easier for us to heat the whole place where, you know, we, we like, we like the open, the open floor space. But here's what I want us to understand that, that if you, if you have a big room, you can always make the big room smaller. It doesn't take a whole lot to make a big room smaller. In fact, we could turn this room right here into a whole bunch of little bitty tiny rooms. We probably wouldn't even have to get a permit for it. If you're a building inspector, let me know later. But the, uh, but we probably, we just, just build the rooms and, and the partitions don't have to worry about a whole lot. But if you have small rooms and you're going to decide to make it big, that has to be done intentionally. I was watching one of those home improvement shows one time, and uh, and it, the, they were talking about how this guy had bought this house about eight months ago, but he could not live in his house anymore. And the reason is because the roof was caving in. And you wonder, you just moved into this house that you bought, and he showed the pictures of it. It was beautiful when he moved in, but now the roof is coming down upon his head. And the reason is because the previous owners had had a house with a whole bunch of small rooms. And they thought, that's not going to work in our modern day. So we're going to take out all of these walls and we're going to make it a one big expansive room. And it's going to be awesome. And it was. It looked beautiful for about eight months. They sold the home. They're out. And he's sitting there and he starts seeing cracks all over his ceilings. And then after that, he started seeing beam coming through. And then he moved out of the house and found out that because they hadn't put any supporting structure in that big room to maintain the weight of the second floor and the roof, the whole thing was coming down. Can you imagine buying a house that was falling down on your head within eight months? The homeowner was just a little bit upset. 
I think there were a lot more beeps in that show than the, you know. He was upset. If you take a small life and you start trying to make it big, you have to be intentional about it. I want you to notice something. When Jesus came in and He started breaking down all those different walls of separation between the Jew and the Gentile, He did not break down the structure of salvation that He had put into place. He didn't say we're gonna, we're gonna do away with everything. The Mosaic Law was in place and the Mosaic Law was strong and the Mosaic Law was what was supposed to happen at that day. But Jesus came and He did not break the law. He fulfilled the law. And that's why He could be our Savior. If He had broken the law, He couldn't be the Son of God. He couldn't be the Savior. Because to break the law would have been against God's will. But because Jesus said, I will live the life that the law demands be lived. He fulfilled the law, and that's why you and I can call Him Savior today. He did it intentionally so that He could make small rooms bigger, so that He could live larger. One may ask, well, why would you risk the expansion? Why would you risk doing that? And the answer is this, in your life, it's your choice. You can live small if you want to. Or you can choose to live large. But in the kingdom of God, in the church of God, it's God's expectation that we live large. It's easier to control the atmosphere in a small room. It just is. But you can't fit as many people in the small room. The father is calling to his family to come to the table. We have to make sure there's room for them. The Father is calling good things into your life. Is your table ready to receive what He's calling into your life? Our leadership here at McCord Road has been talking about for years wanting to be the most impactful example of Jesus Christ that we have can be to our community. It's something Pastor Andy championed. It's something that our leadership team champions even to this day. We cannot do that. If we're going to live small, we must live large in order to be the most impactful representation of Christ that we can be. And if somebody asks you in your own life, do you want to do something big in your life? I pray, especially for all of our young people that are here today, I pray that you would not say, listen, I don't want to do nothing big in my life. I don't want to be nothing big. I don't want to do nothing big. I'm just going to sit here and just, that's in fact what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit here. I hope that's not your dream. I hope you'll answer something like this. I won't chase the big thing, but I equally refuse to limit myself to the small thing. I'm not going to make being something else the all-encompassing drive of my life. Can you imagine if I decided that in my life, the all-encompassing drive, the thing I was going to be, bless God, was I was going to be the world champion dunk champion? It would be a very poor dream for me. First, you have to, they tell me, be able to at least hit the net when you jump. So there are some things that are going to be beyond me. And I might not be able to get there, but there are some things that I can do. 
There are some things that God has empowered me and blessed me and enabled me to be able to do. And I am, I am not going to limit my life. I'm not going to limit myself. And I pray that you would not limit your life either. But be willing to, to live large. And thought number two this morning is this. Living large doesn't always mean doing more. But it always requires thinking differently. Jesus did everything possible to make salvation available to everybody on the planet. He, he did everything that could be done. You and I, we can't even earn our own salvation, much less earn someone else's for them. And that's a word for parents in the room right now, that you're worried about your child, whether or not they're going to live for Christ or they're not going to live for Christ. Let me just encourage you. You've done all that you can do. The promise of God is train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart. It does not say that they will not work away, but it does say that when they are old, they will not depart. You can't make the decision for them. Jesus did everything possible. And how the the gospel is all about how to apply what Jesus did to our own lives. In fact, Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is God's power at work, saving every believer. And then it says something really unique. It says, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile or the Greek. And in the the day, every Jew that was listening to what Jesus said would have said, yeah, of course to the Jew. Because it's God's will for the Jews to be saved. It's God's will for all the Jewish people to come home. They are His his precious people. They are His promised people. And so, yes, we want the Jews to... But it would have been mind-blowing for them to think that He also wants the Greek or the Gentile to be saved. And He did everything possible... Everything that he could to make that possible for them. Jesus could not do more. And yet, and yet, much of the Bible, much of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament, they are written to a church who believe in Jesus, but he has, he's trying to help them come together, the Jews and the Gentiles, uniting as one to be the church of God. They were saved but they were not thinking differently. Sometimes you can't do more, but you have to think differently. Christ's actions, it calls us to think differently. Change how we think about the space that we're in. My parents were um, drug addicts and alcoholics in the hippie days and 60s and early 70s, and and they were... uh, through a lot of the 70s, actually, and and uh, they were the you know the long hair, the big bushy beard, the 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 drugs, the alcohol. The dad drove a big um, mo- a black motorcycle with the spoolie front end and the ape hangers, and and just I mean it, you you heard him four thousand miles before you ever saw him, sort of a thing, and and just he was they were uh, my dad was was kind of an angry man, and 
So uh, whenever he would get kind of frustrated about stuff, he would walk in, he'd go find a bar, and, and I've, I've been told stories. I don't know that he's ever told me this story, but I've heard other, other family members have blessed me to know more about my father. And, uh, and have told me stories about him, and he would walk into a bar, find the biggest person in the bar, and just tap him on his shoulder and punch him. Because he wanted to express his anger somehow, and getting in a fight was the way he knew how to do it. And so, and so he, he, this was the kind of environment that... that that my parents were living in and the lifestyle that they were in. And, and so one day someone invited them to church and for whatever reason they decided to show up. And so here they come and, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're probably high and they got all the issues going on in their life and they walk into the door of this church and this church is, this church is a beautiful church and this church is full of wonderful people, but it wasn't people like my family. This was a church of people that had it together and they, man, they were, it was, it was, it was a good church and it was, they, they, they were not thinking like them. They were not living like them. And my parents have never done anything halfway. If they were going to do it, it was going to be completely. And so they came into the church and my dad sat there and he watched people as the church went on and he walked out. He laughed at everybody, number one. And then he said, these people are crazy. And he, and he left, but something drew him back. And eventually the day came when my father gave his life to Jesus Christ. And many of you know that I was raised as a pastor's child and, and a missionary kid. And we were in Indonesia and the Philippines. And, and my dad and my mom have done missionary work all over the world and, and, and raised up churches all over the country. And, and they did amazing, amazing works for God. But they did it because there was a church of people that were all very, very similar in, in, in who they were and how they thought. But they were able to expand their thinking to accept some people that didn't look like them, didn't act like them, didn't think like them. My parents came to Jesus and and made Him their Lord and Savior. And soon after that, my mother started getting sick, consistently just overwhelmingly sick. And they went on a mission trip down to, to Mexico. And, and as they were down there, people were kept praying for my mother because, my God, she was just... Couldn't keep anything down and they just looked really bad. And so they were praying for her and praying for her. And they were even casting devils out of her and stuff like that. And nine months later, I was born. And <laughs> you never know what you're going to cast out. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am. And God saved me from all of that stuff. I don't know what it's like to have drug addict and alcoholic parents. I know the stories, but I've never lived the life. I was raised in a good home that loved Jesus and the re- and I've often wondered how I would, my life would have turned out had that church not been a church that was willing to live larger than what they knew and what they understood. I've wondered, what would my life be like if my parents walked into that church one day and they weren't willing to open up their arms and open up their minds to accept them and love them? I don't know what it would have been like, but I know it would have been a much different life. And I don't know that I would have been standing here today talking to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God for a church that was willing to live large. We can see this... Shift in our minds 
during this time of the year in our holiday season. Where we have a table that is set up. And it represents the dining room table. Which in most homes is a very loved and protected place. And a place where, you know, the decor is just so and everything is just right. You, you don't serve peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at this table. That's done at the kitchen bar or in the eat-in kitchen. You know, this table, that's, this is where the fine china, everything's got its place and, and its part. The fork is just right and the spoon and the knife is just right. And, you know, every, everything is just like it's supposed to be. And so, and so when, when in, you know, my grandmother's house, we, we came in and we would eat at our table in the kitchen. But we didn't go into the dining room. And the dining room, that was for those special occasions. Those special moments. And so, but during the holiday season, things shift a little bit. Because when mom or grandma or whoever runs that whole part of the world starts hearing about everybody that's coming into the town, into town to, to, to be there for the holiday season, they start looking around to figure out what's going on and, and, and where are we going to put everybody? And, and they start looking at the dining room and eventually they look at it and, and it looks like nothing has changed. It looks like everything is the same. Everything still looks the same. Everything, all the decor is where it's supposed to be. Everything is just like it's always been. But the reality, everything has changed. The reason why everything has changed is because mom or grandma has begun looking at things. They've begun thinking differently. And the reason they're thinking differently is because they're saying, Hey, uh, okay, Johnny and his, his crew, he's got three. They're coming, and if, well, I mean, oh my goodness, we don't have enough room at the. Well, if we if we put one over here and we we move things around a little bit, then we could fit three or four more people. But oh, Betty Sue and and her brood are coming, and they've got like thirty seven children, and so where are we gonna where are we gonna put them? And all my grandkids are coming, and this is this is gonna no no hey we, we we're not gonna fit everybody at the table the way things are. We 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 can't. And so they begin to think about things differently. You might not be able to do more than you're doing right now, but if you want your life to be lived larger, it will always mean that you have to start thinking differently in life. Nothing more could be done to save the Jews and the Gentiles. But more would be accomplished as each learned to think differently. You see, the love of Christ made salvation possible. And today you and I are the delivery system of that love. We cannot allow ourselves to settle into well-worn patterns of comfortable places. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We are His. And we are the governors of His table. So we have to change how we think. We can't think uh, things like... What's the point of that? But we must think, how can I help? We can't say, I don't think that's going to happen. But we have to say, I believe it can. Jesus is the Father. God is the Father. And He is calling His children to the table. And we as the bride of Christ must think differently about our space in order to accommodate His family. Thought number three this morning is this. Jesus brings peace to those that are willing to live large. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He brought peace to us. 
We're, we're using the illustration as the, 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 the holiday table versus the dining room table. And, and the reason we're doing it is, is not because of the table itself, although I am so grateful for those who set this up. It looks beautiful. You're, well, you're welcome to come up after church and take pictures if you're trying to figure out how to do your table for the holidays. But the, the reality is that it doesn't necessarily change anything once we stop looking at a, a dining room versus holiday table. The, the thing that shifts is what brings peace to the life of that mother, that grandmother, that father, that grandfather. You see, all through the, all through the year, when they look at that dining room table, they see, they see the, the, the stability. They see the, the ambiance. They see, they see what's there and they, they like it. It's beautiful. It's nice and it's consistent. And seeing that brings peace. I know whenever we walk into the house and our house is set up properly, Christy is just a happier person. It brings peace to her life. And she knows, she, she can tell my moods, because sometimes I start getting agitated, and I don't know why I'm agitated, but I'm certainly agitated. And she'll go clean the house. We don't have a messy house, we don't have a dirty house. But something about it, she'll change it, and suddenly it's just like a, oh. And that brings peace. But during the holiday season... It's not about, oh, wait a minute, do the plates have their space and do the cups and the gravy boat and, and, and the, the, the serving dishes? And do, does that all, does it look right? Is it balanced? Is it right? Those, those things begin to stop bringing peace. And now the question becomes, wait a minute, this, this talent, does he have a spot? Does Tyrion have a spot? What about my mom? She have a spot at this table? What about my father? What about my grandparents? What, what about the grandchildren? What about, do they have a spot at this table? And now what always brought peace all year long for 11 months out of the year, or 10 months out of the year, it has, it has brought peace to say it's beautiful and it's right. And now it brings torment because it won't fit The people who are coming at the table. Now what brings peace is the thought that everybody that's out there, all of our family members that are coming to celebrate with us, they all have a place. Decor doesn't bring peace. But it's displaced by relationship bringing peace. This morning as we begin this Living Large series, it takes thinking differently and sometimes as we begin to live large, the things that brought us peace for so long may not bring us peace anymore. Some of you may be in the room right now and you're struggling. You're saying, it's always been good and I've always felt good about it. It's always seemed to be right. But somehow, for the last little while, I just can't seem to get any peace about the thing that I've always had peace about. It could be that God is calling you to live larger in that area of your life. It could be that He's stretching you in some manner. 
I pray to God, what I'm, what I'm ministering to you this morning, I feel so passionate about. And I pray that I'm able to translate that. Not, don't just see the passion, though. Hear the call of God. Hear the Word of God. It is His Word. It is His call. He's calling us to live larger. And in your life today, whatever He's calling you to, I know that I and the leadership team of this church, we feel like God is calling us to something larger as a church. We believe that the Father is calling His people, calling His children. We are believing that people are going to be saved in this church. We believe they're going to be baptized in this church. We believe that our families are going to grow in this church. We thank God for three students giving their life to Jesus. I can't wait to talk to you about the 30 students and the 300 students that have given their life to Jesus. It's not that we're chasing after something big. It's just that we don't want to live small. We want to allow God to do whatever He wants to do. In our lives. And he's calling his children home. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd like you to ask this question. Just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this service? What is it that you're calling me to? Maybe you're fulfilling every purpose that you have. And I applaud that. I can tell you what I'm feeling, but I'm not trying to artificially create something in your world. But if God's calling you to live larger in your mind, in your emotions, in your finances, in your vision for life, in how you interact with His kingdom and His church, in your family, wherever it may be, if He's calling you to that today, You're going to change how you think long before anything changes physically in your world. And I challenge you to open yourself up to that today. Let God expand you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your people. You alone know what you're calling us to completely. You alone understand who in this world... Who in Sylvania and the areas beyond need to know you and don't yet? You know the kind of environment that they need. You know the kind of relationships that they need. You know that you've prepared a table right here at McCord Road. You've prepared a table in each of our lives. And as you call your children home, I pray. I pray that you'll give us the wisdom, the strength, the courage. To think differently about the space we're in. And let us fulfill your calling in our lives. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing and we're going to worship. Our elders are going to come forward. And if you need prayer about anything in your life, it doesn't matter if it connects to this service or not. It may be you have sickness or you have something going on in your world. You just need God to touch you then I invite you as we stand, just make your way forward. The elders are going to be here to pray with you. We're going to sing, we're going to worship, and then we're going to dismiss. And we pray God's blessing over everybody's life today. But grab hold of this. Let's live larger. Stand to your feet. Let's worship.